0: you. Friends, before we get into the message, I just wanted to give you one other update. Uh, We are excited to share with you that we we are going to start a series of meetings, uh, church-wide meetings, around the conversations that are happening in the United Methodist Church. Uh, Many of you are aware of, and at least we've done a good job of trying to make you aware of, uh, that since March and the announcement of the global Methodist Church, that the United Methodist Church is experiencing a split. And it's not really a bad thing. It's actually an exciting thing, and your leadership team has been doing a lot of research, talking to a lot of coaches, gleaning a lot of information. And uh, you just heard last month, or two months ago in July, that that the leadership's team's intention is to lead you to a congregation-wide vote sometime in February to disaffiliate from the United Methodist Church and step into this brand new spirit-filled expression called the Global Methodist Church. Now, the goal of the lead team is, number one, that no decision has been made. The decision lies solely within the hands of the active membership of Rolling Plains Church to the tune of a two-thirds majority vote that will be needed at said meeting. That won't happen until probably the early part of 2023. But it is our desire to make sure that the congregation is as educated as possible. And so we have our first meeting coming up for the whole church. Everybody's welcome. If there's people from another church or whatever you wanna bring in, they can come too. It's not a secret meeting by any means. Uh, But we're bringing in a colleague of mine, uh, Greg Stover. He's a retired elder. He's also a retired and former district superintendent within the United Methodist Church, specifically here at the West Ohio Conference. And so that first congregation-wide meeting is going to be two Sundays from today. You're going to want to mark your calendars. And we're going to ask you to stick around after worship. It's going to start at 1145, and uh, we'll be done. I promise we'll be done before the the, the Bengals, the Browns, or the Steelers come on at 1 o'clock you don't need to watch it anyways because the Browns are destined for the Super Bowl anyway, so it's, it's going to happen. But but So friends, we just want you to be prepared. We're going to have some good conversation. We're going to hear from Greg. There'll be time for Q&A. You guys are asking a lot of great questions. The lead team just met this week, and we've had some a lot of good and robust meetings with people. I've had a chance to meet with uh, one of our women's Bible studies on Sunday morning. I've been invited to another life group on a Tuesday night to kind of just answer some questions and help. Friends, your lead team is available to meet with you. We want to talk with you to share your concerns, to hear your excitement, whatever that may be, to help each other. So that's going to be on October 2nd. And so then in November, we've invited our district superintendent, Mark Chow, of the Foothills District, which is what we're a part of, and he's going to come and he's going to lead a discussion on the uh, remaining United Methodist argument and narrative, and we're going to get a chance to hear from him. Mark is a very gracious man. He's a colleague of mine. I appreciate him very much. And we just want to make sure that we give you all of the perspectives. We're not here to sweep anything under the carpet or hide anything or force you to do something that you're not feeling led to do. And we're really super excited about this schedule and calendar. And then what we're looking at is maybe in January, we might have another church-wide congregational meeting. And then we would seek that vote for disaffiliation and then to join the Global Methodist Church come February The important thing to remember is your lead team is trying to handle all of the nuts and bolts of this so that we can keep the rest of the church focused on the main thing. And the main thing is continuing to reach people for Jesus Christ. And what happens at the denominational level, we are not going to allow to change or to adjust what we believe God is calling us to do. And that is to invite people to come as they are, to connect with God and others, to grow in God's word and prayer, and to go and help people in Jesus' name. Amen? Because at the end of the day, the name that matters the most over God's church is the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? So how's that sound? Does that sound like a good plan? If you have any questions about that, you'll be getting emails. You'll be getting some information about it next Sunday and things, and uh, we're looking forward to having that conversation. All right, now you can start my sermon time. Okay, now, sermon, we're going to go into that. We're in a sermon series called Faith and Family, and today we're talking about just keeping it simple. Now, I introduced a verse of Scripture to you last week that is our theme verse. It's carrying us through this sermon series, and it's out of Joshua 24, verse 15 part B. It's the second half of that verse 15. Let me set the context for you today. So Joshua is leading the children of Israel across the Jordan into the Promised Land. This is after he's taken the reins over from Moses. Moses only got so far, he never actually crossed into the Promised Land before he passed and handed the reins to Joshua and the rest of the families of Israel. And they had they, they went through, they, they endured battles. You'll see they battled at Jericho, cities like Ai, huge fortifications. Of course, they were successful. They were doing the will of God. There were all kinds of challenges along the way. And before Joshua was going to pass, before his death, God gave him a vision to speak into the life of his people before they settled their families in this rich and abundant land that was flowing with milk and honey. In other words, God wanted to give them a challenge to renew their covenant with him, with their God, and to renounce idols and other gods and to declare who it is they were going to serve. And friends, it is this declaration that we are owning in our hearts and believing that God is calling for each and every one of our households and our families as we follow Christ and for the household of faith called Rolling Plains Church, and I want you to stand up with me right now. You're going to get your exercise today. Stand up with me right now. We're going to put that verse on the screen. Some of you are moving slower than others. I get it. All right. Get that blood flowing and we're going to read this scripture together. And we're going to read it We're not just going to read it. We're going to read it like we believe it. Who's ready to read Scripture this morning like we believe it? Amen? Let's do it, all right? So on the count of three, this is our declaration for our households. Amen? So let's read this. One, two, three. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Who who feels like that's the truth for them? Who feels like that's what they want to see happen in their household, friends? I want you to look at your neighbor and say, say, my house is going to serve the Lord. How about yours? All right, now, now now look at your other neighbor and say like you mean it this time, uh, my house is gonna serve the Lord. How about yours? How about yours? All right, friends, good job. You can be seated now. That's all the exercise for the sermon here today physically, but we're gonna exercise our hearts and believe something, God, something of God for powerful, uh, powerful things because we're raising households, and it's a hard thing to do. Anybody ever struggle raising a household? Anybody ever have any challenges? You know, the whole marriage thing, parenting, careers, schedules, it's just so challenging. And then you take that and you have God in there guiding you, but then there's all this this mixed up doubt and confusion that our culture is bringing into marriage and bringing into parenting and bringing into household relationships and roles in the family, and lines are getting increasingly blurry as we continue to progress as a culture and society. And you look around our community and our nation and our world, and what do you see with families? you see that families are struggling. We're struggling. Some families are struggling to keep their heads above water, to try to make it another day, to keep their relationships intact, to raise incredible children that are excited about stepping into a career and leading life and even someday leading their own lives. And so we're seeking the help of God to strengthen God's families to serve him faithfully. Now, last week, we began by forming the foundation. God forms the foundation of a godly family The rock of a family is a household with one man and one woman bound together in the covenant of Christian marriage. Now, there are many folk who have been through divorce. There are some of you that find yourself right now, even though you didn't plan on it, as a single parent. And we're here to say we're not offering any shame. We're we're here to say God is a God of mercy, God is a God of grace, God is a God of love. And we're not here to look backwards. We're not here to have somebody look over their shoulder and to be shamed for mistakes or challenges, or or just you find yourself in a season of life where you never thought you'd wind up when you were when you began 20 years ago, friends. There is no turning back, no turning back. I think there's a hymn. I might start singing a hymn up here in here in a second. I don't know. We're not turning back. We're not facing backwards. You can't do that, anyways. You get an accident when you're facing backwards, moving forward. We're moving forward. We're leaning into God's best new thing, and we're seeking to energize God's transformational work into our current household setting, and every single one of us has a work to do. In Philippians, the Bible says, for he who began a good work in you will complete it and perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus, and he's speaking to preachers too every single one of us, is an uncompleted and unfinished work in progress. And that's what we want to talk about today. How can God strengthen the the, the core family unit, the foundation, the rock? How can he strengthen marriages in our life? Now, you might be single here today, and you're like, well, if you're going to talk about marriage, what do I have to learn from that? You might be a widow or a widower. Uh, you, You might be just somebody who's fine, just living on your own. By the way, we learned last week that Paul says that's great. He recommends it. Because he says, if you're single, you're singularly focused on Jesus Christ. He says, that's not a bad thing. No shame there. So friends, I want to share with you today that we all have something to learn about God in our relationships, even though we're going to be focusing on marriage. Because whether you're single or not, every single one of us is married. The Bible says that we are the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. It is an intimate love relationship and setting that God uses in our life. And so we want to, we're all meant to lean in. We're all going to learn something as we look to God's word and we look at his design and the various roles that he has for the family, household, and unit to help strengthen marriages that will strengthen our household. And so right off the bat, here's the kind of simple, Dr. Seuss, real simple version of what God wants to give us, and here's the first statement, love and submission, those two things. Love and submission
1: are keys to a healthy marriage. In Colossians chapter 3, you're going to see the cliff
0: note version of God's family and household unit. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands, there's that word submit, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands,
1: love your wives and do not be harsh with them. So there's that word love, love and submit. Right, we can get a lot of things right in our families. I remember,
0: and I, sh- I kind of was reminiscing about this last Sunday, the first time I met Aaron. We were in a stateside summer project with Campus Crusade for Christ in Ocean City, New Jersey. We were living in a, a household with a hundred college students from all over the nation, and uh, I remember—I think it was the first day that I was there. A lot of them were already there because Ohio State was still on quarters back then, and so we got out a little late. Got there uh, beginning of June, and. I remember, I remember, I didn't even met her yet. I just caught a glimpse of her from across the room. And I saw, I not only saw her beauty physically, but I also saw her beauty in, in, in relationships and the way that everybody wanted to just kind of congregate around her and talk to her. And, and, and everybody, everybody was just, like, they just wanted to be around her. And I'm like, man, I got to get to know this girl. And when I saw Aaron, my heart leaped out of my chest. I mean, I'm talking like cartoon kind of, you know, I mean, you, know, you ever see, you know, like the heart's coming out and it's beating. I mean, I had to pitter-patter, you know, going on here. And it was, it was a moment where I was like, oh my gosh, I have got to get to know this young lady. I had, oh, I had the warm fuzzies. I, I was drawn to her. I had to, I had to spend more time with her. Uh, I, had, I had to just be in her presence. And we, were, we started talking together and blessing each other in those conversations. And, and my mind and my heart began to be captivated with her. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I was a wreck. I mean, and, and, and I just had these feelings about me. And I was feeling crazy about her in that moment I had I had what you call that loving feeling. You guys you guys know that loving feeling, right you guys you guys experienced that loving feeling before? and I I pray, to, I pray to thank God that we still have that loving feeling in our relationship, but we want to talk about something more today than a loving feeling because there are a couple of great theologians, goose and Maverick, that will let you know that the loving feeling may not stick around all that long all the time. They may tell you that you can lose that loving feeling. And so I want to talk to you about the step beyond that. Because feelings can come and go. You see, my loving feeling for my now bride, Erin, eventually led me to ask her to be my wife in holy matrimony. And love, therefore, moved from just a feeling into the commitment of marriage. And so God takes the feelings of love in that moment and seals them together in a covenant promise. It's a binding commitment. The word covenant means a binding agreement between two or more people, and it almost always involves God because God was the one that gave us the very first covenant back in the book of Genesis with Abraham and his family, and I'll make a father of many nations, and I'm going to bless people. And, and, and then the story began to be told. For God's purpose for his creation. And so I had all these feelings that were leading to an incredible commitment of marriage with her. And he took that feeling of love and sealed it together. And in marriage, you find yourself committed in love. And to steal a reference from another song, we know then that love is more than a, for you Boston fans out there, you know, love is more than a feeling. It has to be. It's more than a feeling. Love isn't just a feeling, it is a commitment. And the problem today is we got a bunch of relationships out there acting on nothing but a bunch of loving feelings without the commitment of God. Think about that for a second. That's the struggles that we have today. And you want to know what happens when we operate on nothing but those loving feelings without the commitment of God? We wind up tripping up and messing up and blowing up and things in households are blowing up everywhere and we're struggling and relationships are separating and and, and, and busted, and, and, and there's heartache, and children are, you know, growing up lost. And friends, listen, when a man loves a woman, when a man loves a woman, going Michael Bolton on you here today, when a man loves a woman, they move beyond just the feelings into a marital covenant. It is a commitment of giving yourself to them in mutual submission. You, watch this now, you are no longer your own. You are two joined together that have become one flesh, and it is more than a loving feeling. You have become one, the Bible says. A, husband, a man will leave his mother and father and join together and become one flesh with the woman. We read that last week, and that's the foundation for these families that God is talking to us about. It is a loving commitment that leads to mutual submission. Mutual submission. We don't like that word, submission, but it is a godly attitude and word that we've kind of distorted over time, okay? So I wanted to share with you just real quick, and I did this last week. If you weren't here last week, this is kind of like a PG-13 kind of message series. So we are going to talk about mature uh, subject matter and content, and you want to know why? Because God talks about it, because it's in the Bible, and if we don't get a chance to teach the Bible on these kind of topics, well, then we're left to have our, our, our public school systems teach us these things in other places, in the news media. And, and so we just got to get it right according to God's word. And so it's a, a marriage is a loving commitment that leads to mutual submission, and it's consummated in God's wonderful gift of sexual relationships. It's consummated in the gift of sex. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, the Bible speaks to that it says the husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife. And likewise, the, now listen, if you've got young children, again, we got a, we got a banging children's ministry out there, and you can, you can it's incredible. If, you, if you're feeling uncomfortable with this, please, I, you, can, you can even go ahead there now and take your child to the children's ministry, and that's okay. But young people, I'm here to tell you, you need to know this stuff. Young people, you need to hear this, okay? The husband should fulfill
1: his marital duty to his wife. And submission, you would say those
0: go hand in hand, right? We yield something, we're submitting ourselves. See, husbands and wife, they give of themselves freely to their spouse. And it is a beautiful gift that God has given us in human sexuality to be able to experience that between one man and one woman in the covenant of Christian marriage. Now, the problem is, is that when you engage in sexual relationships outside of the covenant of Christian marriage between one man and one woman, it just makes a mess, it creates all kinds of confused feelings and guilt and shame and, and and codependency and it's never a good thing. And you want to know why? It's because we've given our most vulnerable self, the most intimate space and place in our life, we have handed that over to another without the blessing of God, and we've done it to the delight of the enemy, who uses the loving feelings in our life to trip us up into sexual immorality, and it eats us up from the inside out. And that's why the Bible says above all else flee sexual immorality. Run from it. Don't mess with it. Don't even get close. Now, friends, I want to say something to you here now. If you've messed up and you've made that mistake, if you've crossed the line, friends, there is grace and there is healing and there is mercy in God and Jesus Christ. Uh, We're not here to bury anybody. And if anybody ever tries to bury you because of your sin, you just remember that Jesus was raised from the dead. And if Jesus can be raised from the dead, then he can raise us up out of any mistake that we've ever made. We're not here to shame. There's no turning back. We're not looking backwards. We're here to get better into our future and be better for it. So don't hear this as a condemnation against you. Allow the Holy Spirit to fall afresh in your heart and to convict you, to convict you towards life change, convict you towards a better way to live that God is inviting you to. And so according to this word, husbands and wives, they yield They submit, they yield their life one to the other. Therefore, the Bible even says this, you're not even your own authority. You're not even your own authority because God has created such an intimate relationship between you and your spouse. You're living together, you're eating together, you're you're breathing together sometimes, you're making decisions together, you're parenting together, you're serving the Lord together, you're sharing the same bed together. You are one according to God. You say, but Pastor we've lost that loving feeling. We, we, we just, we're just not feeling the love. Well, friends, I, I, I've, I've lived in 26 years of wonderful marriage, and I'm here to tell you, there are days where Aaron and I are feeling it. And can you believe that? Am I allowed to say that to you? That even your pastor doesn't feel it 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 362 days a year for 26 years? And that's because the, it's about the commitment, not the feeling. It's about the commitment and not the feeling, and that is what sustains. So it's not about whether you feel it or not. It's about what you've committed to. You see, friends, we live in a culture and society today that the only way that we have good actions is if we feel good about it. In other words, we say, well, if I'm not feeling it, then I'm not going to do it. Well, friends, we weren't raised that way, were we? Nobody raises their child uh, in a way. like, well, you know, know, mom and dad, I'm just not feeling clean in my room today. Oh, really? Okay. Well, I got a better alternative for you. I'm not feeling like providing food in your household and a roof over your head today. We don't do what we feel. We do what's good and right. This is what we raise our families with. This is what we teach our kids. Every person in here has been taught this lesson, but yet we forget about that when we get to be adults. It's not about feeling your way into a good action. It's about good actions that lead you into good feelings. And we got to learn how to act our way into the feeling rather than feel our way into the action. And when we act our way into the feelings, when we do the good and right thing that God has given us, oh, then the feelings come, friends, and they will just come at you like a deluge. In Galatians, the Bible says, you will experience love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Oh, the feelings will be there. We just got to act right before God. I mean, who's ready to act right before God? I'm ready. I'm tired of playing games, right? We got to act right with God. We got to follow God's word. And when we do, we're going to act our way into a feeling and see what God does. It's the commitment, not the feelings that sustain us. And so when I married Aaron, I said, I'm committed. I'm giving myself to you in the covenant promise. The word submit in the dictionary says, to yield well, that word came up in the dictionary. I wonder if they got it from the Bible. Think about it for a second. It's in the Bible, right? He, but he yields, but she yields. The word submit says to yield to a superior force or to the authority or will of another. To yield to a superior force. I'm here to tell you that every time I walk into the house, I, I know I am yielding to a superior force. And it starts with God. And then the next person, her name is Aaron. <laughs> that is the superior force lineup in my life. Can I get an amen from somebody? Guys, especially, we know, you know, you know she, she, really run, she really does in that moment run things in our household, and I would be lost without her. I am yielding to a superior force. I do it by my own will. It says, to yield to a superior force or to the authority or will of another. It's what we do, not only in marriage, but let's start well before that. It's what we do with God. Isn't God ultimately our superior force? who wants to claim today that God is your superior force? God is my superior force. How about you? Now watch how this works. When you start to identify that God is your superior force, you begin immediately to practice yielding your will to God, giving him the control of your life, giving him your purpose, your whole life, your whole identity. It's all his. And so we, we learn this practice. The Bible in Romans says we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to Him. And the Bible says this is our spiritual act of worship by yielding our whole life to God, giving Him everything, our eating, sleeping, drinking, going to work, hanging out with our family life and putting it all before God. And when we do that, we practice every day with God a yielding of our will and control of our life. And so as we submit to God and put Him at the center of our life, and we put them at the center of our marital relationships and our marriage covenant, don't you believe that it equips you to practice the same thing that you want to put into practice with your spouse? And so in other words, we're just practicing with the person we married, what we've already practiced with God, we already know how to yield. We already know how to submit because we do it with God. Now watch how this works. If you enter into marriage or if you enter into cohabitating relationship without God's blessing, and God's not a part of that, then all of a sudden we're practicing all kinds of things that create confusion, and we haven't learned how to yield to God. We haven't, heard, we haven't learned how to submit to God, and we really don't know the love of God, and no wonder we get into a relationship and we mess everything up because we have, we have no foundation. We have no litmus test. We have no idea what it's like to yield, what it's like to, to submit to because we haven't allowed God to show us. Well, what do you mean? I mean, how does God show us how to yield? Well, if you take a look at Jesus, you see a God who has a son who is willing to submit to his father. We're in a Bible study on Thursday nights, the uh, pastor's Bible study. Friends, we have met for three weeks now. If everybody showed up, we have probably 45 people that have been coming to Bible study in the last three weeks. It's just incredible. And we're studying the book of Philippians. And in chapter two of Philippians, is one of the greatest explanations and understanding of who Jesus Christ is in our life and who he is as the person and work of
1: Christ and the son of God. And in there I'm going I'm just going to read a- The Bible gives a fancy church term for this. It's called the great
0: kenosis of Christ. It's the self-emptying of Christ. It's Jesus looking at his Father and saying, I submit to your will. I submit to your will. Uh, I yield to your will. It's a powerful read. Check out Second Philippians chapter 2 and read that whole thing. And so in there, we see that Jesus submits to the Father's will all the way to the cross and even unto death. And so friends, here's the invitation of God. In your relationships with one another, you should have the same attitude and mindset of Jesus and what he did. In your marriage, then have the same mindset as Christ. Friends, Jesus had a loving feeling. And if you know anything about Jesus' loving feeling, it got tested because he found himself in the garden questioning his loving feeling. He's like, basically, he's standing before the Father kneeling, weeping in the garden before he's about to experience 24 hours of his passion and death and suffering and everything. And he's raising his sin and he's saying, Dad, I just got to tell you, I'm not feeling it. If you've ever felt like that before, you ever prayed that prayer before, you're not alone. Jesus prayed that prayer. It's like, Dad, I'm not, I'm not feeling this. I don't know if I want to go through with this. But he said, I'm going to yield to your will. I'm yielding to your will. Your will be done. I'm going to submit to you, God, even though I'm not feeling it. And you see, friends, though we may not feel it, we submit to the covenant promise of marriage that we made to God and we made to our spouse, and we're willing to sacrifice everything for them because we're going to to treat all of our relationships with the same attitude and mindset of Christ, who we yield to and who teaches us how to yield to others. So let's talk about then the roles of husband and wife. Okay, as it goes on to Scripture, because each bring a specific and wonderful gift to the household. Now, we're really going to just kind of go in the opposite direction of the mainstream of our culture right now, because a lot of people are going to say, well, haven't we progressed past all this stuff? I mean, there's, there, there's lib movements out there and this, this, and that. Friends, can I just read God's word to you today? I'm, I'm just, we're just giving God's word to each other, it's been the same word that was given to us more than 2,000 years ago. God's word doesn't change. We don't conform God's word to our desires and our culture. No, we conform our desires and our culture and our life to God's word. And it says this about roles and relationships in the household. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So before you lose your minds and think that submission is only a one-way street, God already cleans that up right here. Okay? Okay. There's that word submit. Submit to one
1: another out of reverence for Christ. Why? Because you should have the same mindset and the same. The guy has it good here, right? You know, he's the head of the house. Really? You, you, guys, you're,
0: you're meant to lay it all down at the foot of the cross, and you're willing to die for your family, die for your wife, die for your children, not just the physical death, but to die to yourself in order to lead your family to faith. That's the call of God. That's a huge responsibility. And we forget about those verses. We just get hooked up on one single thing, and we cry, liberation, liberation. This is God's word, friends, okay? To make her holy, watch this to give himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. That does not sound like a bunch of weak women to me. That sounds like, that sounds like strong women of the Lord that are in a strong relationship with their husband, and they're loving each other under mutual submission in the name of Jesus Christ. See, our roles that God has given to us is he's placed the man as the head of the household according to God's word. That is not a boss. You are not a boss. You are not an authoritarian. You are not a dictator. You are a rudder that keeps the family pointed towards serving the Lord. It is a loving submission that goes both ways in marriage, and it's given, not demanded. Submission is given, not demanded. Otherwise, it'd be called slavery. The submission that is not given but demanded is called slavery. So, guys, the question is: Is are you living a life worthy of following? That's the question here. In a Christ-centered marriage, submission is seamless. It can't be pointed to. It can't even be pointed out as a singular event or something that's even said. It's an unspoken harmony of mutual yielding and respect, and it happens out of love and the very example of Jesus Christ. Oftentimes, you, just, you, see, you see husband and wife sometimes battling to outsubmit submit to the other person. There's just so much love and so much submission to theirs. I'm yielding to you. No, you're yielding to me. No, I'm going to yield to you. I got the dishes. No, you get the dishes. I got the dishes. No, I got the dishes. I, I, I'm going to take the trash out. No, I got the trash. I'm taking them to school. No, I'm going to take them to school. And it's like, man, there's, there's, like, there's just a humble servant attitude, and you just can't, it's just seamless. You can't even, can't even see it. But according to God's Word, the husband the, the, the father, sets the tone of the household, not a dictatorship, sets the tone of the household, the tone of faith. And that's why the absence of a male figure in the home as the role model is significant. But let's take it a step further. That's why the absence of a male and their role model and significant involvement as leaders in God's church is, is so significant. Because thanks be to God, our, our, our ladies and the women of the world, they are keeping things together, in households and in churches, and they're like, I need some help. And so guys, we've got to step up our game according to God's Word, because you see consequences play out in many societal problems when, when a man is not present in the household. I'm not talking about physically present. You know, there's, a, there's an issue with that. I'm talking about mentally and spiritually present and involved in the household. You know, a man who sacrificially gives themselves over to God, just like Jesus did, you see, we got to think about this. Husbands, you were to love your wife like Jesus did the church. And what did Jesus do for the church? He ultimately died for the church. He submitted to God, and we are submit to God and our spouses and our wives in this moment. A man who sacrificially gives himself over to God, who sacrificially gives himself over to his life, who is willing to die for her and to die for his faith is a man worth following. There's not going to be a single person who disagrees with that in this room. I know there won't be. Is a man worth following. And so when you live to serve the Lord... The household says, let's go. He said, so so how's the man ahead of the household? We're going going to go and connect to a church. We're going to church this Sunday. We're going to practice giving according to God's word. We're going to tithe, and and he teaches uh, the children about tithing and and, and invites the family to do the same thing. We're going to serve together. We're going to go follow God's directives together. You see, husbands, you are to make make your wife radiant, the Bible says, with love and joy. You're to prop her up. You're to, you're to bring her the joy of the Lord. And blessed is she who is the precious gift of God. And, and, and wives, women, you, you, you get a chance to spread the love and the care and the blessings all over your household, and the love and the care of the blessings all over church. But you want to know what's happening in culture and society today? This is how families kind of join the church. You know, sometimes the kids come with, with friends and then they, they fall in love with it, and they go home and say, Hey, you know, church is great. It was wonderful. You know, and 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 then mom is like, okay, well, I'm gonna come check it out. Well, guess where dad remains? He remains on the recliner with the feet up with the remote in his hand because the Browns are coming on. And, and, so, and so what happens is we see the kids engage. We see, we see the women of the house engage. And then they get here and they got to run everything because the guys, well, they're, they're kind of stepping in the background when God is saying, I need you in the foreground. And we, and we find ourselves in a place where our, our households are spiritually lacking because mom's trying to do everything, including infuse the family with faith. And God is saying, I need you guys. I need you husbands. I need you dads. I need you guys to step it up, to prop her up, to bring joy into her life, to, to, to allow her to, to, to fill her role of spreading the love and the care and the blessings all over the household and all over the church. We just, we just can't have, we just can't, we just can't rely on uh, the, the women of this world to do everything. And that's what God's saying here. Because, ladies, you guys are doing an incredible job. My goodness gracious. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 22. He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. You better believe it. Wives, you are a conduit. Ladies, moms, you are a conduit of God's favor to your households. And guys, we have got to step it up. Now, listen, the, the, the best way that the enemy uh, destroys a family is to shame the man. There's no shame here. We, we, we're, we're not going back. We're going forward. Don't allow the enemy, guys, to shame you and to quiet submission to him or the quiet submission to our culture. For friends, the number one way the enemy destroys a man is through shame. and We can't allow that. Now then in Proverbs 21 verse 19, it says, now be careful though, because better to live in a desert than with a quarrelsome and nagging wife. So wives, you got to bless and strengthen your husbands don't don't nitpick at them don't tear them down support him say to him i believe in you i believe you're a godly man i believe you're doing a great job as a dad i believe that you're a great job as, doing a great job as a husband speak life into them and you're saying well he's falling short in this area he's falling short in that is speak into the man what you want to see from the man speak into the man what you want to see from the man if you want to see him more involved with your children Make sure that you find opportunities to say, oh, my goodness, I saw you hanging out the other day. with what? That was so wonderful to see. You're doing such a great job. You're an incredible dad. Guess what your husband's going to be doing the next day? Oh, I kind of like that. I'm, I'm going after it again. I'm, a, I'm stepping it up with the kids tomorrow. And then all of a sudden, you say, hey, it was so good for us to worship today, together today at God's church. Um, you know, thank you so much for doing that. What a, what a role model you are for our family. Guess who's going to be the first one in the door of the church next Sunday? God's going to be like, yeah, absolutely. We've got to speak into the man what we want to see from the man. See, marriage is hard, but you have God's help and power and strength. And, 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 and with God at the center, and the question is, is God at the center of the relationship? You've got you to recommit your marriage to him uh, and into each other with a mutual submission of love and respect. Ten practical pieces of marital advice, and we're done. I promise I'm going to go through them real quick.
1: Practical marital <laughs> advice, excuse me. and it hangs over the relationship. Don't do it. Don't use it. Remember, if you've already crossed these lines, there's grace, there's mercy, there's healing. Find The relationship just melting before God in a powerful way. So to have a household that serves the
0: Lord, you got to start with a husband and a wife and to keep it simple by uh, mutually loving each other in the covenant of marriage and to freely submit as Christ did to each other. It's a recipe for a marriage that is going to last a lifetime and a household that is going to serve the Lord, friends. That's where we are today. Action steps, and we're done. Number one, ask your
1: spouse their thoughts on this message. Talk to your
0: to steal, to rob, to kill, and destroy all that is yours, God. And we trust you. We trust you for your power and authority in our life. We give it all to you, God. We need you. And Lord God, I just, I can picture the altar being filled this morning of marriages that aren't just because they're struggling, but just marriages that want to be better, no matter what that better might look like.